Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. It's Christmas Eve. How many of you kids are excited about Christmas, right? Full of anticipation, except for the fact that Santa now doesn't wear red and white, he wears gray and blue, because, now think about this adults, you know what I'm talking about, Um, the gray and blue Amazon guy that drops off all the presents. For me, I, I like it, it's like a double anticipation, because when I come home, I like to see how my money is spent as the... As the gift arrives there, and I wondered, like, is that for me, or is that something I've bought for someone else in my house, you know? Um, And so, this evening, it's this time of anticipation. We also argue in my house a little, because Karen likes the tree to be empty until Christmas Day, then all the gifts suddenly arrive, because some obese man in red has dropped, no, okay, but... But we have, we have decided, Fallon and I have managed to twist her arm, that now there are gifts around the table, this, uh, around the, the, the tree. It's full of anticipation. But gift giving and receiving can be a little complex. And, um, and so Jimmy Kimmel did a little thing about how children receive gifts. I wanted to show a little, a little clip from that. Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? You love my cooking, so I made you something. So you don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it! I'll eat it! it it's, it's complex, because sometimes you receive a gift. How many of you have been there? You'll eat it? Will you eat it, Kingston? How many of you receive a gift and you're like, I don't know what this is. And then the person is excitingly telling you what it is and you are more lost. And then in that moment, you also realize this person doesn't know you at all. Uh, That the gift that you received is, if they knew you, they wouldn't have to be explaining why this gift is so amazing that they're giving you. Or they're actually very excited that they've given you a gift, and the reason that they're excited is because they want it. And so somehow within the family structure, you know that ultimately that gift will belong to them. How many of you have received what you're pretty sure is a re-gift, right? You know, and then you're sitting there thinking, man, I, I don't know about this, you know? Karen always says she gets the wrong end of the stick when it comes to gift giving. She's, she's probably right. When we, when we first got married, um, 
I decided I was going to do a really cool thing when it came to gift giving, and like, no way, it wasn't our anniversary, it wasn't Christmas, it wasn't anything, I decided that I was just going to get her some flowers. So I walk into the store, and I see the flowers, and I see the potted plant. And I think to myself, well, a potted plant makes more sense. You know, it's going to live longer, you know, it's not going to last for a couple of days, so I did what any brand new husband would do, and I I bought the potted plant, because it made more logical sense. And then on the way out, I saw this amazing sponge for cleaning dishes, and I thought, this thing is amazing, you know, and so I bought that, and then I arrived home, and I said, hey, babe, I've got a gift for you, and she looked at this, and in her gracious way, she said, you know, thank you very much. I have learned from that experience. And so this Christmas, um, I bought Karen a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Yeah, no, some of you are shaking your head, right? It's a cordless one, right? It looks very sexy, all of those kinds of things. She's very excited about it, but I have learned that is not her Christmas present. You know what I mean? That is not a designation of whose role it is to use the Dyson vacuum cleaner. It's none of those things. She just, she just likes, likes that. I think the challenge when it comes to Christmas and gifts is that sometimes the thing that we need is not what we want, The thing that we want is not always what we need. And the Israelites were in a very similar situation when the birth of Jesus was announced. 700 years before that, the prophet Isaiah spoke about this time. And he says in Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace." And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And yet when the angel came to Mary in Matthew 1 verse 20, he says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, what did the Israelites really want? They wanted freedom from oppression. Uh, They wanted freedom from Roman oppression. They wanted freedom from poverty. They wanted freedom from slavery. Their heyday had ended, as it were. There, There was no throne established There was no justice, there was no righteousness. Uh, They had a puppet king, Herod, who was a colluder with the Roman government, and they were looking forward to the glory of the days of David and Solomon. And so when the messenger talks about sin and salvation to an oppressed community, his words are already pre-translated. Because when you talk to an oppressed community about sin, sin is what is happening to them. Salvation is rescue from the oppressors. And so much like us, there is a sense in which the Israelites didn't know what their primary need was. Their primary problem was sin. Their secondary problem was Roman occupation. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It's not necessarily that we don't want what God wants us to have. It's that we also want other things 
and sometimes we can't have both. It's often we make our secondary desire primary, and then we diminish our primary need, which is salvation, a savior, purpose that he gives us. They wanted a gift that will fulfill their deepest need. And can you imagine telling a poor and oppressed people that they needed rescue from themselves? They felt that they deserved this. And Christmas is often a time where people feel like they deserve certain things. They were, after all, God's covenant people, Israel. And the the challenge with us is that we always heighten what is happening to us, and we always minimize what is happening through us. We always heighten what's happening to us and minimize what's happening through us. Road rage is an excellent example of this, okay? How many of you tell a story of road rage where you are in the wrong? You never tell that story, right? You're always, you come home and you're like, I can't believe this. This person cut me off and, um, and I even did the, the like, hey, what's up, you know, with all my fingers, I didn't do anything wrong and that person still got angry at me, you know? How about, how about, you know, when you cut someone off and you do the wave like, yeah, that was me, you know, and, and the person still gets angry. The, the challenge with us is that we don't realize that often we are complicit. And particularly when it comes to our world, when it comes to the problem of sin, we need to understand that there is a sense that we are complicit. But God has sent the gift of his son to deal with that. Now, Christmas is not a time where we want to answer the questions like, how do I deal with my sin? We don't want to answer the question of, how do I break this habitual cycle that I'm in? What is it that I really desire? And is this thing that I'm desiring, is it an idol? Is it becoming something that is beginning to have a grip on me? Am I enough? There's another question we don't really want to answer, particularly around Christmas. And how do I create meaning and purpose in my life? Well, the gift that we really need and the gift that hopefully we slowly begin to realize that we deeply desire is the trite and sometimes corny reality that Jesus is the greatest gift. The gift we have received in Christ functions in four specific ways. And every human needs it. It functions in the way of wonderful counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The gift of divine wisdom is what we get in Wonderful Counselor. And the gift of divine wisdom comes through Jesus, through his presence, through his people, and through his word. And guidance is something that we need often when we're facing difficult choices, but guidance is not just the idea of an earthly puzzle. Guidance is the ability to be able to understand that sometimes the thing that we want is what is causing us stress. Sometimes the thing that we think is going to give us the kind of freedom and joy we want is that empty pursuit. We don't value the gift of of divine wisdom because, let's be honest, we don't really want counsel. We want to have our decision ratified through external means. We don't want truth, we want affirmation. And so the gift of the wonderful counselor comes not as this joy that we want to embrace, but rather the sense of like, I'm not sure that I want to let you into this area of my life. A wise counselor, which is what Jesus is, 
which is what we receive through His Word, through His presence, and through His people, is not just someone that helps you make a decision between A and B, but a wise counselor helps you ask this question, why do you think this will make you happy? Why do you think you are pursuing this? And that is the major gift of a wise counselor. Now, I know we live, I'm, I'm a parent of adult children, and one of the greatest challenges I have is the giving of unsolicited advice, okay? Now, younger children, you will know that that is also one of the challenges, right? And, and part of the, the challenge with that is, is that I genuinely believe that what I'm about to kind of release is things you should be paying attention to, but no one has asked for them. And the wise counselor often operates in that scenario where we haven't necessarily gone to him for counsel, but there's a sense of, of unsolicited advice, where we're spending time in prayer with him, where we're reading his word, and all of a sudden we maybe hear something that we shouldn't or we don't want to be hearing. How do we receive this gift, the gift of divine wisdom through our wonderful counselor? We seek it out. We listen. We also need to be prepared to hear something that we don't want to hear. Mighty God, he's a wonderful counselor, he's our mighty God, the gift of leadership. And we all know that we have a complicated relationship when it comes to authority. A lot of us have been wounded, and some of our deepest wounds come from authority, but illicit and unhealthy authority is not the way in which we deal with it. The way in which we deal with it is understand that there is only one benevolent authority, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, most of us um, tend to go one way or other on the authority and might of Jesus. And maybe some of us really like the humble and lowly Jesus. Maybe others of us understand that the same Jesus that was born in a manger in humble circumstances was the same Jesus that said to Peter, get behind me, Satan was the same Jesus that said, woe to you Pharisees, was the same Jesus that said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And there is a measure in which the complicated gift of Jesus during this time is not just wonderful counselor, but mighty God. Many times Jesus warned his disciples about what it would mean to be a follower of him. And the reason this is a gift that we don't necessarily want is because we don't want anyone setting boundaries on us. We don't want anyone expressing their expectations or exercising authority over us. We don't want anything other than our feelings to lead us. And so that's why the gift of mighty God is difficult to appropriate. However, if I don't subject myself, and if I don't submit myself to mighty God, I won't be in a position to see him move in power and in authority in surprising and unexpected ways. The authority and power of God also brings justice and righteousness. It is what we all long for. So how do you submit or how do you receive this gift of the mighty God? Well, I already said it. You submit. You recognize that he is God and you are not. You don't flirt or negotiate with mighty God, you submit to him. And lastly, or third lastly, all of you parents, sorry about that. You're like, we're there? No, we're almost there. <laughs> Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father gives us the gift of adoption. 
Jesus completes access for us, his brothers and sisters, to the Father. Yeah, but Nick, you haven't had my father. My father was absent. My father was abusive. He's distant. I think those things, as, as difficult and as painful as they are, I think it's easier for us to draw a line between understanding God as our Father if we had bad models than if we had just good enough models of fatherhood. I think it's difficult for us that, that grew up in homes where there wasn't necessarily a sense of abuse or a sense of abandonment, but there was a sense in which our fathering functioned out of that person's personality and character, and it didn't necessarily match with the character of our everlasting father. It is difficult. And the problem of good fathers is that no father on this earth is good enough and will ever be. That doesn't mean we stop trying. It doesn't mean we don't repent. It doesn't mean we don't try and break habits that have been in our family over generations. But it means that the idea of being able to accept the gift of Jesus as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, is that we place ourselves in a position of adoption. Yes, I need that. I need a place where I can be provided for, where there is kindness, where there is intimacy, where there is family. I need belonging and I need purpose. I need to know that I am important to someone, that I'm under someone's protection and that I have a role to play. So how do I receive the gift of my everlasting father? How do I receive the gift of adoption? I think this is, this is crucial. The one is to forgive the models of poor fathering and to pursue what it means to be fathered by God. I'm constantly amazed at the drive um, that, that people have if they don't know who their father is. And, you know, with the advent of Facebook and all the DNA stuff, we hear all these stories and documentaries of being able to, to actually pursue your father, trying to, trying to find out who your biological father is. And I wish all of those stories ended with a happy ending. They don't always, right? The, the, what is true about the pursuit of our everlasting father is that we will never be disappointed. We will never be disappointed when we understand that we are his child and we will never be rejected. There will never be a place where it's like, well, yes, I am, I am your father, I understand that, but I don't have space for you in my life right now. That will never be something that you experience through your everlasting father. If you know him as your father, you are at rest in your soul. And lastly, Prince of Peace, and, and we covered this a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about hope, joy, love, and peace. Now, Jesus was not just the sacrifice that brought us peace, but he is the one that brokered peace. The peace that Jesus brought knowing that even though he made his appearance through a virgin in that manger, knowing that his death would happen on a cross on Calvary, knowing that this is why he was born, as Hark tells us, born that we may, no more may die. Thank you, Karen. Can you imagine knowing that, that that was your purpose? But the life that he lived wasn't just born to die. The life that he lived modeled what the kingdom could look like. That it would look like wisdom, that it would look like 
authority, that it would look like kindness, that it would look like being grabbed and, and cuddled by your Father, that all of those things would be true in Jesus, our Prince of Peace, that He deals with the war between you and God because the death of Jesus Christ meant that there is no war now for those who believe, that He deals with a war within yourself of trying to be something that you know you are incapable of being except through the Spirit of God, and He deals with a war between you and others, the rest of humanity. The willingness, ability, and power to deal with the penalty of sin and the power of sin is what makes Him our Prince of Peace. Tomorrow we celebrate the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And for those of us that are apprentices of Jesus, followers of Jesus, we have the ability and reality to rehearse that. Uh, because for many of us in this room, we know that that's true. But there might be those in this room that don't know that. That maybe when we were young, kind of understood the story of the manger, this death on the cross. But maybe this morning, there's a sense in which the wonderful counselor is drawing you in, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Maybe there's the sense in which you understand that the, the gift that you need, and not just need, but ultimately when you come to peace within yourself, understand it is the gift that you want, is the gift of Jesus Christ. There is, band, you can come up. There is nothing under the tree that will truly satisfy you. I mean, for adults, the reality is there's probably nothing under the tree that you don't know is under the tree in some way. <laughs> but this evening and tomorrow, we celebrate the most exquisite, priceless gift. We celebrate the eternal gift. We celebrate the gift that reminds us of who we truly are, sons and daughters of the living God. We celebrate the better gift. We can't reciprocate this gift. We can't earn this gift. This gift is simply something that we receive. We receive the gift of Jesus who broke into our world to pursue us, who didn't just teach us what it meant to live in the kingdom of God, but rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. It is the gift we need, but it is also the gift that will bring us the greatest amount of joy peace, hope, and love, but also purpose and freedom. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our wonderful counselor. You are the embodiment of wisdom. You guide us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Jesus, you are our mighty God, our king, our protector, our commissioner. You are the one that we choose to submit to, to sacrifice for, and to follow. You are the one that created access to our eternal Father, the one who loves and the one who comforts us. And you are the Prince of Peace. You made peace, you offered us peace, and we have the privilege of being bearers of peace during this time. Jesus Christ, you are love incarnate, love divine. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, 
visit our website at mercycommons.church.